Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast. This is Episode 74, Leadership Lessons with Ryan Festerling. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. I am excited to introduce and welcome Ryan Festerling to our podcast. Ryan, welcome. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Ryan is the president of QPS Employment Group. And Ryan and I met a few years ago when I was doing some leadership coaching at Corporate Coles, and we have stayed in touch ever since. So thank you for reconnecting. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. And I'm excited to share with the audience a little bit about your leadership journey and some pretty significant changes you've made in your career and some of your lessons learned. You went from being the VP of HR in a very large organization to being the president of, relatively speaking, a smaller one. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that journey for you. And what were you most excited about in that transition? And what were you most anxious about? Yeah, I, if I had three hours, we could probably fill up all of it just on that one question. And and part <laughs> of it is, you know, a starting point of just a journey that I went on. So when, you know, to your point, running a, a really large a group of folks in human resources for Kohl's. Um, and then like, what do you want to do next in your career? Like that was a journey in and itself. You know, I found myself 20 years into my time um, in corporate America, so to speak, that just because you find out maybe, um, I don't know if you were good at something, but it worked, right? I, I had a lot of yeah. success at Kohl's and Kohl's was really good to me, but you kind of find yourself going, man, is this really what I wanted to do when I grow up? Or did you just kind of find yourself on this track that was working really well, but is it, you know, what you really wanted to do when you grow up? So I've always had this notion, I ask it in interview questions to people that are from out of college to people that are nearing retirement, which is like, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. Um, and that mantra for me just rings true for myself as well, because if I'm not always looking forward to something I find myself getting antsy, a little bit squirrely, probably distracted, but it's kind of in my DNA. So, you know, getting back to the question of like what's different or what really made me excited about it, I guess I've always wanted to own a company, if I'm being honest. Mm. So QPS has about 400 internal employees, 7,000 uh, employees are on assignment, and we actually just became 100% ESOP um, about a year ago. So we're all employee owners now. Oh, but that's awesome. Yeah, it was, that, that in itself was a huge journey for another podcast. But yeah. um, leading the company through some of those times was wild. 
But knowing that, you know, in my mid 40s, that I'm probably not going to be able to spend $100 million buying a company. And I also knew that I wasn't going to be okay having a company with like three employees. I just wasn't being my thing. This ended up being just a perfect fit. And so what excited me was that I had scale. So, you know, the number of folks that were on my team is actually about the same total number of people that are with the company. But boy, what a difference when you're running the business um, and not managing a function. Yeah. And so the part that I was so excited about was just being able to kind of do more of what I thought was the right thing for the company and not just for a function. Yeah. I love just the art of influence. I love the art of, you know, creating a vision and getting to do more of that was something that was really exciting for me. You'll also hear me talk a lot about things like unintended consequences or Ah. (laughs) that just kind of come on the other side. So with that also came the things of like, man, what makes you nervous? Yeah. Uh, I've never had an IT department work for me. I mean, we don't, you know, we've got seven people in IT, but running functions that never reported to me. Yeah, for sure. Made me anxious. A lot of just, how's that going to work? But, you know, we, we lead through it. You hire really smart people. Like we always tell people to do. And yeah, it's just been a blast. You know, I'm three years into my journey here at QPS. We've definitely grown the business significantly in those three years. And so I'm just glad to be part of, you know, the success that the 400 people have here. Yeah. What a fantastic journey. I can't believe it's already been three years. And to, to go through that kind of shift going to employee owned, I can only imagine, as you said, I'm, I'm sure that was a significant transition. I hear so much about companies moving in that direction for employee retention and for, you know, getting people to feel a part of something bigger than just their job. So I think that's quite a transformation and congratulations yeah. on, on accomplishing that. That's super cool. I love hearing about your journey. I love hearing what you're excited about. I'm not surprised that you would get potentially bored if there's not a challenge, something new or exciting. So yeah, you know me. I know. But I like that about you. I like the energy you have and, you know, finding and discovering and getting that energy and, and being able to lead with that, I think is so important. So when you think about your day and your daily leadership practices, what's something that you can't go a day without doing? Yeah, I I don't know if this is something that's intentional, but it's something that I realize when I have my best days, it just fills me up. You know, I realized probably five or six or seven years ago that when you get into really high level leadership position, it's not about you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to write the book on Ryan, I was probably one of the most aggressive folks that I know of about their career. And, you know, you have to work well with people to continue to move up. And, you know, I was very blessed to be able to do those things. But you get to a point where it's just not about you anymore. It, It literally doesn't matter what you want and what's important to you. What's important is that the folks around you are accomplishing what they want. And if you can align those two things, you win. Yeah. And so the, the short answer to that question of what's a day to make sure I did every single day, it's that I develop somebody. Oh. And it might not be in the deliberate sense, mm-hmm. but I also have this just belief that I've never been able to give more than I get. I just keep giving somehow, some way I get more out of it. And so I've realized that my desire to push the development envelope every single day in every single situation helps develop me. It helps me learn about what motivates someone. It helps me understand why someone might be struggling. And if I can continue to just dissect what those things are, 
when you connect people with strategy, I become a better leader. I become a better president. I become a better dad and, and everything else. So yeah. I find myself, I guess, by default saying I need to have moments where I can push the, the development of the folks that I'm with. Yeah. What is so cool about that and that strategy and that desire for you is right now, that is so important in talent retention. And when you think about what people want in their career, and I hear this from people at all different experience levels, that they want development, they want growth, they want to know that there's something next that they can grow into. And I think even the younger generation, especially, they're looking for that very actively. And that's an employment differentiator for them as well. So But I also think what's challenging for managers is you seem to describe it as a part of your job, whereas I think sometimes managers see that as something separate. Like, now I have to go over here and develop people. So what advice would you share to someone to help them weave it into what they're doing rather than seeing it as separate. Yeah. So ironically, we had a two-day strategy meeting yesterday with kind of the top 25 leaders of the company. And, you know, no docker here. I'm on a development journey with that whole team. And so I spent probably half of those two days really focusing on what we said is how do you connect the dots? Mm -hmm. And we put together kind of the major four or five strategies that we're working on. And we put a huge just kind of envelope around that thing that said, how does development tie into every single one of those? And so we actually started the day out on Tuesday. Everyone's working on their leadership development plans. And for the first time, we literally went around the room and we asked everyone to share. And we actually had it all printed out. And everyone had to say what their two leadership goals were, why it's important to the business, and how that room can help them. And so... It was just an amazing exercise in vulnerability and in transparency. And it started with me of here are the things that I'm working on. Yeah. Here's how I think they're really important to business. And here is where I need your help. I'm not good at these things. And these are things that are really important to me. And so we started the entire two days off with development. Yeah. And as we clicked through all the different strategies, the last 15 minutes of each of those kind of strategy conversations, we said, how does what we talked about earlier make the momentum of what we're talking about in this strategy easy? How does it make mm-hmm. it connected? And how does it make it so it's not something on top of it or not yeah. something in addition to it? It's literally part of it. Yeah. And so it was a really fun exercise. And there's a lot of light bulbs going off throughout the day where people said, how do we actually make this to be less work than more? Um, You know, I think there's probably a book out there that I've seen on LinkedIn. I haven't read it, but I truly do believe that it takes a lot of work to try to be lazy. Yeah. And I, and I believe that. And so if we can do a lot of work in connecting the dots and making sure that development just makes all those things that much easier, we'll create capacity, we'll create momentum and we'll create buy-in. You're a hundred percent right. I remember you and I talking about that several years ago, you know, development isn't another activity. It it should really be a part of everything that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And by bringing it up in the way that you did, how brilliant, because then everybody feels a part of it. Like it's not just me. And even you starting, Ryan, there's that vulnerability, as you said, and that transparency of it doesn't matter what position you are in this organization. I can still grow and I still have opportunities. So that growth mindset and really setting the stage for that. But also, I love that you said, you know, how can we help each other do that? 
What a what a fantastic way to build connection, cohesion, and a learning community. That's fantastic. Yeah, we yeah. have we have a long ways to go. This is you know it's easy for me to talk about how great it is and how wonderful, but there's a lot of learning moments. Five years from now, if I'm on your podcast, I'll be talking about how we're going to continue to make improvement on that. Yeah, you bet, and we will. We will. <laughs> when you think to personality traits, and there's so many stinking leadership theories that talk about personality and what it takes to be a leader, and I look at personality traits as also specific to the culture that you're in. What does this culture need? What is the situation I'm in? What is most important? So when you think about your job, your role in this company and in a very complex organization, what do you think is the most important trait? So you know me, I have to break the rules and probably have two, but the first first one, I guess I would say is just vulnerability. Mm. I have learned sometimes the hard way that if you can just be a human being first yeah. and I have vulnerability, people will give you grace. They will give you empathy. They will create you know, connections. But if you can't get down to someone's level and you can't find something that you have in common, regardless of all the different variables that we have in our life, I just think you've missed an opportunity. And so maybe we can actually say that's not even a trait because it's just something that I think is expected in really great leaders. Yeah. Uh, and I think it just makes whatever you're doing and whatever you're saying that much more about, I just want to get behind that. Mm-hmm. And so we go around the room quite frequently in our leadership meetings where we have to talk about something good that's going on in our life, mm-hmm. something that's going challenging in our life. And I'm talking about life, not work. Yeah. Okay. Because everyone's going through something. Yeah. Everyone has exciting things going on, even if they don't, and we make them. So the person that's the Debbie Downer and is like, everything's horrible, maybe, but I'm guessing there's something positive. So yeah. vulnerability, <laughs> I just think is, is really important. But if you can assume your personality trait, at least for me, I want to make sure I'm really vulnerable, then it's about clarity. Okay. And that's actually one of my leadership goals. Oh, okay. I, I've been working on it for years, and I... Anyone that works for me, if they were to be listening to this, they'll be doing a little bit of their eye rolling because Ryan's got a lot of ideas. Ah. And just because it's clear in my head doesn't mean it's clear in somebody else's. Okay. I work really hard at being clear. And, you know, I've got little things that I work on that make me organize my thoughts because people expect me to give clarity. Yeah. And sometimes clarity is actually being completely clear about what isn't clear. Oh, yeah. All right. So how do you do that? Yeah. So for me, I really tried to just go through this, you know, literally here are the two things that we absolutely have to focus on. Here's we're going to measure them. Here's where I think those pitfalls are. But I think actually being, again, vulnerable with a group of I think there's something here. I think Mm -hmm. this is something that will help move our business forward or something that's challenging us right now but I don't know exactly what the answer is. Okay. That's a hard one because people then go, well, what do you want me to do with that? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good thing to tell people, here's what I'm clear about what I'm unclear on. Yeah. But then you have to take it that next step and say, so what do you want me to do with that? Yeah. And I have to then go, I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to help me get clear on it. Oh, okay. Help me get clear. I might be completely off on it, but give me something to push against. Someone said that to me the other day that they learned that working with me, sometimes Ryan needs something to push against because he knows there's something there, but he can't really figure out what to do with it. Um, 
And so, so again, how did, you, how did you react to that feedback when someone told you that? Were you like, no way, or you're like, totally? Well, the first part of it was they actually were, again, vulnerable with me saying, I was really frustrated when I came back with these were my five things, and it felt like you kind of puked on three of them. Oh. And they said, by the end of that conversation, what I learned and this is a newer executive that's working for me, what they said was, actually, that isn't what you meant, Ryan. What it meant was you knew there was something there, but you needed something to react to. You need something to push against. Okay. And so now I'm comfortable bringing in the ideas that you need to have fully baked. Yeah. And some of those things that like I've learned, you want to be iterative in your process. You don't want it to be 100%. Get us 60 or 70% of the way there and let's whiteboard the rest. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Cindy, I don't know really a lot. I don't much of anything. My, I, I don't. I, <laughs> I, would, I don't. I will disagree with you. But <laughs> But I mean, my job, right, is to be able to create the space yeah. where people can bring their ideas, bring their thoughts, because ultimately I want them to own it. Yeah. And that sounds easy to do. That's something that I'm working on. Yeah. It's really interesting that you brought out something that you think is so important as a trait in being a leader and being in your role. And it's also something that you're aspiring to do better. And yeah. I, I think that's a really cool thing that you say, I know this is important. I know I need it to be successful and I am working on it. And this is how it is. And people are starting to learn that about you as a leader and also how you're going to push them as a leader as well through yeah. that process. And, yeah. and being iterative to me sounds like you really value being collaborative, that you want to participate. You want to shape people's thoughts and ideas and they will shape your thoughts and ideas. And there's a, a give and take to that. So yeah. that's an awesome thing. But some people I've also learned, even at the fairly high leadership level, don't exactly want that. They want to be told what to do and to run. And so that's been a big learning for me is just that I've said, if man, if I have to tell you what to do every single day, I might not always need that. I need someone that's going to push against me and for us to make each other better. So yeah, a lot goes into that equation, but something that I'm going to continue to aspire to. Okay. What a fabulous lesson. And thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing the example of the feedback that you got too, and how you see that connected to what's mm -hmm. important to you. That's yeah. awesome. So part of my next question is about the fact that you said, you know, your organization is, it was 400 employees, but 7,000 employees on assignment. Yeah. So you see a lot about the workforce today in a lens that's really fascinating to me because not only within your organization, but by extension, all kinds of organizations. Yeah. So what have you learned about either best practices from a people perspective or pitfalls, just advice that you would give to, to the world of leaders right now? Yeah. So at QPS, you know, we get to work with about a thousand companies every single day. Wow. And, you know, we have, like I said, about 7,000 folks out on assignment in those spaces. We do everything from industrial, manufacturing, and then we have an entire division that does professional from IT and manufacturing and engineering. So we also, anyone that would know me, I'm very data-driven. And mm -hmm. so I get to be able to connect literally what's happening by day at a thousand customers with hiring trends and rates and turnover. But I also get to connect that with the anecdotal things that don't always come out in the data, which is those companies have a great culture. Mm. Those companies do not have a great culture. Yep. And, you know, I get asked a lot because I get to go to a lot of companies saying, hey, you get to see all this. How can you help us in, in our company? Yeah. The thing that I continue to see is that what used to matter, culture, you know, having a collaborative environment, 
all the buzzwords that we can all talk about that everyone needs and wants, they're all the same. Mm, okay. Different is they're times 10 and people have become principled about them more than ever. Oh. And so I would love to tell you that there's like this new theme. Of course, people expect more flexibility and more communication. But I think two years ago, people wanted more of that. I think yeah. 20 years ago, people wanted more of that. What's different today is because of the labor market being as tight as it is, people are now more principled about it than ever. And you're seeing smart people leave good companies because they're not and essentially getting what's important to them. Yeah. And so I guess there would probably be two things that I would organize from a thinking standpoint of like, what's the advice because of the things that I see? Yeah. Try to get to the person level of what's important to them. You can have your programs, you can have your recognition things, you can have your hybrid workforce, but until people can really write on a whiteboard, like what's important to Cindy? Yeah. Like literally, what is it that's important? It used to be important. It's more important now. It just yeah. is because she's getting recruiters calling her for every job that we offer people. We think that they're getting about two to three other opportunities in that same time frame because of when you're in the hunt. Yeah. Oh, it's really? A, yeah. And so even if you're not looking for a job, people are chirping in your ear. Here's what this place has. Now, the grass isn't always greener, mm -hmm. but in my belief, number one, people are more convicted about what's important to them. Yeah. And so if you you can disagree with that, you can say, I don't care, but I just believe that to be fact. Yeah. And so I can say, Cindy, I can't believe that you want to be at home to get your kids off the school bus. Okay, well, someone's going to do that for Cindy and someone's going to value that and someone's going to value her work product and not what time she stays until. That's a fact. Yeah. So I think my guess, though, is if that was important to Cindy three years ago, it's just more important now. Yeah. And I think the second part is just making sure that we have a little bit of an eye to the future of what next could look like. You know, if I had a crystal ball, I'd have a different job making more money. We'd be on a cocktail on a boat with you, right? Yes, please. But what I do know is that companies that are asking their employees about what do you think will be important as we move to the future actually says, I care about you being here for the future and not just for the time being. Mm. Companies that are bullish on saying, here's what we're doing in two years and three years, and I want you to be a part of it. Yeah. It's really interesting when you actually talk about the future as people, and this we talked about in our strategy meeting last two days. What is our five-year growth strategy? And we're looking to double the size of the company. Wow. The dynamic changes dramatically when I say, are you excited about that? And people say, that's great. When I say, I'm going to ask you to come back from lunch and I want you to say, where do you see yourself in that growth plan in two to three years? Mm -hmm. That just became personal. Yeah. But I think that isn't about vice presidents and directors. I think that's about everyone. Yeah. But if you can, again, going back to this clarity piece as a, as a leader and say, here's our growth plans, here's our future, if you can connect those and put it in their lap to say, like, where do you see yourself as part of that? Yeah. It might be on something with culture. Hey, if you want to change that, how are you going to actually impact that in the coming two and three years? And when you have this assumptive close that someone says, you're excited that I'm going to be here in two to three years and you're going to plug me into that growth plan? Yeah, I am. And why? Because I need you. Yeah. I just, I think that changes the dynamic. So again, the first thing I think for me is just whatever used to be important, it's just way more important than it's ever been. And so get used to it. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is get your folks to be part of the future, not just what the company's future is, but plug them into what those future plans could look like. 
Yeah, a brilliant strategy because you're highlighting the partnership, the commitment back and forth, the investment back and forth. How do you get over? I imagine there's a little bit of fear though. Like, okay, what if I don't know? What if I don't know how I fit in? And even at that high level, because again, high level, it's like, where else do I go? Yeah. Um, how do you reconcile that or how do you help people envision it when they feel like maybe there is no growth? Yeah. So this goes back to the thing that I'm working on. It makes a lot of sense in my head and it's really clear, but maybe not for everyone else. Yeah, that's okay. it's, it's a fun journey because it actually forces a manager to go, how do I even have that conversation when I'm not so certain about how I plug myself into that? Yeah. You know, I guess what I would say to that for an advice standpoint is it's okay to be vulnerable. I love it when people are saying, I want to be here. I want to grow. And I have no idea what that means. Okay. Like that's one of the most powerful statements someone can say is, I don't know. Yeah. If someone says, I don't know. And will you help me? Yeah, of course I'll help you. And so I think that's just creating that environment where someone can actually be okay with that. And that just relieves the fears when you can actually get excited for someone when they say, I don't know. Yeah. Then ask them like, will you let me be part of creating that for you? Because I don't know either. But I do know as long as I'm here, I want you with me. Right. That just creates a partnership that I don't know how you can argue with, so to speak. Yeah. Because I don't know that anyone knows exactly what they're going to be doing in two to three years. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can create this environment where we're going to help create it together and we're going to be completely okay with what the unknowns are and we're going to create a safe place and psychological safety where we're going to be really certain about the things that we know and just completely get clearer about the things that are unclear. It's hard, but I do know that, you know, the people that I want to be here in two to three years, I'm going to make sure they know that. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a great way to capture your leadership philosophy, your leadership value, your style, the things that are important to you. And as you said, it's again, connection to the people. You know, you mentioned earlier that development is so important and now you're allowing the opportunity for people to develop in ways that they haven't even articulated yet, that haven't even been defined yet, but you're committed to figuring that out with them. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I can tell that you're jazzed from this two-day strategy session, right? I get pretty passionate about things, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that shines through to everyone that you get a chance to work with. And for your leadership team, as you do tackle those strategy sessions can sometimes be really like ho-hum, let's <laughs> talk about the business and growth. But but you're also integrating not just business and growth, but about people and opportunity. And again, the orientation to we're all in this together and what a great place to be. So that's yeah. different. I appreciate hearing what you've learned about the marketplace and just some conversations I've had with some coaching clients recently about principled and smart people making those decisions about the companies and the organizations. You know, you said that's what you see, and I would 100% say the same thing. I see that in the, in a microcosm of people yeah. that I work with. You're seeing it big and organizationally. I'm seeing it actually individually in people that I work with saying, yeah. I'm ready. This isn't working for me anymore. And I'm ready to make a change and I have to make a change. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Here's one more question that I have for you, because on your LinkedIn profile, you said that you are an executive with grit <laughs> and it really intrigued me. I thought, yes, you are. And 
Also, everything you said in this podcast today is about connection and people and transparency and development and growth. So how do you see grit fitting into your leadership style and your leadership practices? What does that mean? Yeah, man, I've never been asked that question. Sometimes when you write something down, it sounds good. And they're like, man, I got to answer that now. Yeah, I know. Clarity. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> you know, I, I think I don't know what the exact definition of grit is, but for me, I just think being able to work with people and not have it all figured out mm-hmm. is such an okay thing. You know, I think when you asked me earlier about what's the, one of the things that I've learned or being anxious about, yeah. when you're the head of a company, everyone looks to you like you've got all the answers. I have news for you. I don't. I mean, I'm reading the same news you are. I'm listening yeah. to the same things you are. I don't have a smarter brain I don't. And so for me, grit is about just having those conversations with people where they're going to want to so badly to get into the weeds and deal with the yucky stuff and the things that aren't so pretty. And we're going to make a whiteboard of things that don't make sense. And if if more than 40 percent of it isn't wrong, we're probably not doing it right. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, for me, grit is about I don't care what your title is. I don't care what you want to do on the weekends. But you and I and the team and whoever that is, like, let's just take it. Let's go figure out what this thing is. Yeah. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to celebrate the fact that we didn't fail as big as we thought we were going to. Right. <laughs> um, That's a great goal. Right. I mean, right. There's sometimes you're like, okay, the next two weeks are going to be a disaster. And you're like, we're going to celebrate. It wasn't as bad as I thought. There you go. Um, but for me, grit is about, I want people to be a leader that, clearly leads from the front, but I want the team that I get to work with every single day to be able to do it without me. I want people that do things because they're for the right reasons and not because they read it in some book. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty passionate about, you know, getting to work with people. And again, like I said earlier, it's not about me anymore. It's about getting folks to realize their true potential and giving them the confidence that they're going to do it. I do not expect perfection because I am far from that. But I do expect progress and expect that from me every single day as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, grit's a fun thing. It is a fun thing. And you described it very well, because I think a lot of people have talked about grit. And I think it's become kind of a little bit of a buzzword in a sense, because people think, yes, I want it and I like it and I'm going to be more gritty. What does that actually mean to everybody? And how do you kind of characterize it or define it? I mean, and it is hard. I mean, grit to me is like, that's hard work. And as Mm -hmm. you said, it's not a pretty thing. It's like, we're going to actually go together in these not pretty times and figure it all out. And I think that's a great definition. Again, it just shines through in the things that I know of you and the things that it sounds like you're doing. So it's a beautiful. So I want to thank you for your time, Ryan. I want to thank you for your transparency. As always, it's just a delight to be able to talk to you um, for your insights as well. And also for sharing what you're seeing in not only your organization, but the marketplace as well. And I know a lot of people are going to take these lessons and insights and be able to apply them in their world. So I really appreciate your time and energy. I wanted to make sure to tell you as well, it's been a few years since you and I have connected, but I happen to know many of the folks that, you know, you never coached me specifically, but I know some folks on my team and a lot of other executives that you've coached. And uh, I know you made a huge impact on their lives. And so it was fun to watch. So thanks for all your work you've done. Thank you. I consider it an honor. So I appreciate that from you very much. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening today. I'm confident that you know someone who could benefit from this podcast. So please share and join me next time when we talk about moving from peer to boss.